And um, I have this habit, I, I like to make a pass through the book of Proverbs um, equal to the date. So today being the 12th, I picked one verse out of Proverbs, I chose verse 16. Here it is for the day, today's proverb. A fool's wrath is quickly and openly known, but a prudent man ignores an insult. You know... I'm on the wrong side of that equation sometimes. I would like to be on the correct side more often. But anyway, so that's it today. Today we're, um, we're in uh, message number six, it actually in a, in a series taken from the book of Proverbs. And today we're going to talk about how the wise family avoids negative conflict. And, um, you know, I, I, it, this has been a series about how su- the successful family, taken from the book of Proverbs. It really is a study of the book of Proverbs, because I kind of snuck that in on you. We've, you've been studying the book of Proverbs for the last month and a half. And uh, so today, about the family avoiding negative conflict, negative conflict. That word conflict uh, comes from a Latin word, conflictus, which basically means striking together. Is that what happens, right? We strike together. It's, it's basically an active striking together of things that are incompatible. I'm not telling you that you and your wife are incompatible. I'm just saying conflict happens when things come together that are incompatible. You know, things like um, our needs or our opinions are incompatible or, or our actions are incompatible or the demands that you would want to place on your marriage are somehow incompatible. When what you have to have seems incompatible, or when your desires, or, you know, what I want, seems somehow incompatible. And that incompatibility causes conflict in our homes. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about positive conflict, you know, where, the, where you are with someone and maybe you don't see things eye to eye. So what you do is you stop and say, hey, let, let's, let's just chat about this for a second. We've had mushrooms on the pizza the last four times in a row. <laughs> I want pepperoni this time. And you work it out so that you at least get pepperoni once out of every five pizzas. <laughs> That's why they'll cook the pizza half and half for you. It's, a, it's, it's positive conflict. You know, it's where you say positive is, is, is good, and it's where we say, you know, let's, let's, let's sort this out. Let's, let's find it. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's positive. I, I'm, I'm talking about negative conflict, where it turns into labeling and name-calling and accusation and where, you know, I'm talking about the kind of conflict that starts to tear down, that, that never gets resolved, that, that, that seems to multiply rather than diminish, that wounds the other person, that, that somehow, and it stifles open, honest communication. And it can be so, so destructive in a family. Conflict, I think, though, is inevitable. Turn to the person next to you and say, conflict is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. Yeah. That's hard to say. It is inevitable. But negative conflict, although it's inevitable, it's also very dangerous. It's very, very destructive, and it can be even devastating to a family. The wise family avoids negative conflict. Now, it's not always easy to avoid, but we're going to come up with some ways about how to avoid negative conflict. But before we get too far, I think we should stop for a minute and invite the Lord. Would you disagree with me in prayer? God, I want to thank you today that your word is faithful to always lead us to a better place. Amen. Your word always will lead us someplace better. I pray, God, for, for us to have hungry hearts today, that we would have our spirits would be open and receptive, that, Lord, we would steward your words, not mine, not Terry's, but your words in our hearts. Yes. God, I think that every person in, in, that's hearing this right now at some point has, has been stung by the words of negative conflict. 
Lord, I pray that, that what we garner today from your word would be practical for our experience in, in, today and for the weeks to come in what we learn today. And I thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Proverbs. We're going to first be in chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you might want to start there. Um, I'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to remem- remind you that the book of Proverbs is mostly written by a guy named Solomon, who God declared was the wisest man who ever lived. Okay, so you know if he had done the things that he wrote down, he would have had a better life, okay? Which I always chuckle about that. I mean, it's not funny. It was probably not funny to him, but it's kind of um, interesting that if he would have done the things that he wrote down, he would have had a better life. It's not just what you know, but what you do with it that makes the difference. So I'm going to encourage you this with that and, and say, how do we avoid negative conflict? Okay, I'm going to give you several things. We'll see what the Proverbs say. The first one is this. Um, always assess the outcome of where you are before you engage. You know, be, before you take a stand, before you decide to make your point, before, before you decide this is worth dying for, this is a hill I will die for, before you get there, you might want to take a stand and assess where this is going to take you. You know, Proverbs 4.26 says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways establish. Where is this road I'm on going to take me? I mean, it, it mean, count the cost. Is this, where's this argument going to go? Am I, am I, is this going to be really good at the other end of this journey I'm on right this moment? Ponder the path of your feet. You, know? you might think, well, well, Terry, what are you getting at? What, you know, what, what's on your mind? And I'm, I'm thinking, well, voices might start to get loud. <laughs> Hurtful words might start to get said. Doors might get slammed. Loved ones might get separated. Damage can be done. Do you really want this? Is the point you're going to gain, is this really, really essential? Do you have to stand on this point? Count the cost. Is it that important? Can I, am I willing to pay the price? Or will I live to regret this? You assess the outcome. Proverbs 26, 21 says, As charcoal fuels burning coals and wood fuels fire, so a quarrelsome person fuels a dispute. I mean, I can tell you about this. If you're going there, this fighting is going to get fierce. It will. If you, net, if you let negative conflict boil up in your home, the fighting is going to get fierce. As charcoal fuels burning coals and wood fuels fire, so a quarrelsome person fuels a dispute. And this quarrelsome person doesn't just allow the, 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 the negative conflict to continue. They accelerate it. They're an accelerant to the fire. You ever build a campfire? I know, guys, we're missing guys today because I think today's the opening of deer season. And um, so we're missing, but guys have a thing about fire, um, admittedly. I mean, it's like, we're going to build a campfire and... Um, you know, I have these memories of being out with the boys. Um, I, I don't get to go too often anymore hunting, but I would go and a long time ago, and we would our hunting party would meet. And you know, it's not the bullets and the explosions that are dangerous. It's the fact that guys are away and there's no restraining force to help the little boys. So we're sitting around the campfire, and I have memories of things about that have nothing to do except the campfire. I mean, we were sitting around a campfire one time, and just chit-chatting, and it was fine. It was, you know, whatever. And uh, one of the guys thinks, well, 
I can help this fire along. And so, now don't do this. Do not do this. I can't admit it. I can't even tell you I'm going to admit to this. So he thinks, you know, we can get this fire going a little bit more. So he goes in the pickup truck and he grabs a five-gallon bucket of propane. And it had a rubber hose on there because it would hook to the barbecue. And so the fire's kind of going. He's thinking, you know, I can get that going a little bit more. So he pointed the hose at the fire. Now we're sitting in chairs. <laughs> Ladies, this is what happens during hunting weekend. Okay, I'm sorry to tell you this. So he points the hose at it and turns the, turns the valve. You know, he's got control, right? Right? You get this, he's got control. And he turns the valve, and, you know, th- that gas starts going out, and you can see the fire starting to leap a little bit. It's starting to burn a little bit. Well, pretty soon it's, it's roaring, and now as he turns the thing down, now the flame starts coming back up the gas you know, so there's, there's this much clear, there's no fire, and then on the end of it, you can see this fire going. And then he realizes if he points it now away, now he's got a flamethrower, okay? And according to how much he turns the knob, I mean, okay, there's just something about guys and campfires. Whatever amount is burning, it's not enough. <laughs> Honey, where's the lighter fluid? The fire's been going for two hours. You can't sit within 10 feet, but we better make sure. In fact, I better poke those logs, put some more on there. There's something about adding an accelerant. It's a guy thing. Okay, Not all conflict in the home comes from the guys, but this is what a quarrelsome person does. A quarrelsome person fuels a dispute. It's all about this charcoal and this wood and this fuel. This quarrelsome person is, is negative, and they're agitated, and they're, they're cranky, and they're waiting for conflict to happen. They, 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 they're like tinder, waiting for a spark. They can start a fire anytime, anywhere, under any circumstances, for any reason. Don't be a quarrelsome man. Don't, don't, don't be a quarrelsome person. Interesting that the, this whole you know, scripture, the analogy here is fire, because... Fire is so destructive. You know, um, the last church I pastored, you know, there was, we had, it was, it was a, a building that we had built, and then there were several houses that had been converted. And I got a phone call one night in the middle of the night. The lighthouse is on fire, you know, in the middle of the night. What? <laughs> the lighthouse is on fire. Okay. The, it was a house that was used for Sunday school, and um, so I get this phone call. It was the church administrator at the time. The building's on fire. Okay, so I go in the middle of the night, and yeah, it's on fire. It burns down completely. And, uh, you know, nothing else got burned up. And this was an old house. And um, when we had insurance, the church had insurance. And uh, so it was just my job to deal with the insurance company. And they came and they wanted to quickly write us a check. And I wasn't in a huge hurry because I thought, you know, time equals money here. And the first offer is not going to be the final offer. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm going to go for broke here. We're going to get a settlement out of this deal. And I had continued meetings with these guys, and as we were talking about what they were going to pay to replace this building, this little house, and this was probably 20 years ago, and we're talking about a house that was maybe, um, you know, maybe 1,500 square feet at the most, and at that point was already 30 years old, and it had been maintained, but it wasn't really a quality house, okay? Gone. I don't know what you would think that would be worth, but we're talking 20 years ago, not worth a lot. So I started talking to these guys, well, you know, we're going to have to get a permit from the city of Olympia. That costs money. And I kept talking about things. By the time we got done with it, they believed the cost, and we agreed to it. The cost to replace the building was going to be $600,000. There was a check for $600,000. This fire was an example of how expensive, how huge the expenses can be to replace something that burns down. 
As charcoal fuels burning coals and wood fuels a fire, so a quarrelsome person fuels a dispute. What fire is to a house, conflict is to the home. It can tear through a marriage. It can tear through a parent-child relationship. And it can be very expensive and time-consuming to repair. What we're doing right now, this moment in this room, is we're counting the costs of negative conflict in the home. In the home. Proverbs 18, 19. Now, there's the factions involved in a dispute, like you have the two sides. They're, the people, the, the factions involved, they're going to both end up frozen, kind of, stuck. Here, here's what I mean. 18, 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And quarreling is like the bars of a castle. This word offended, the idea here is betrayed. This is used of a person who breaks a treaty. It's a betrayal of an agreement, of a promise, of something where trust is extended, and you, you, you say, okay, and there's a betrayal, this offense that's going on. I trusted you, and you injured me. That's never going to happen again. And the walls go up. You know, I, I, you know, I'm never going to let you do that to me. I, I trusted you once. I am never going to put myself in a position to let you do this to me ever, ever again. And the barriers that go up are just more unyielding than a strong city. It's tougher to break if you offend, if you betray. Now, ancient cities, this example, their most vulnerable place to be attacked was the gate. The walls were strongest. The gate was the weakest place. And so if you were going to attack, you were an invading army, that's where you'd go. And you would, they would typically get out a great big old battering ram and slam their way through, blow it all up. And so the, the city, knowing that the gate was the vulnerable place, they would fortify it and reinforce it with these bars to make it strong. And the picture here is a person who is stealing their heart against reconciliation. They've been so wounded. Bars, gates, you are not getting in here again. You hurt me? What you did, what you said, you're not getting in here. And I'm not going to let my heart be exposed to this ever again. I'm not going to do it. And there are people in this room, I'm sure right now, you are frozen, you are stuck. In your marriage or in a relationship with someone in your family. And it's because... And the reason is because at some point somebody stepped in boldly or frightfully and arrogant and presumptuously into an arena of negative conflict. And those things have never been made right. What happened there got etched somehow into a stone and it's so difficult to recover from that spot. It's just terrible. So we're pondering the path of our feet and... We're assessing the outcome of negative conflict and the fighting's going to be fierce. People get frozen, they get stuck and it's really hard to get past this. So notice this in Proverbs eleven twenty nine: Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. Trouble here means, you know, someone who stirs the part. They're tipping over the apple cart. They're spilling the milk. They cause strife. Well, you know, what is it exactly, Pastor Terry, I suppose you say, what is it, you know, specifically that maybe causes strife? I think... Failure to provide. Here's what I mean. You know, fathers, you are troubling your home if you, if you fail to provide financially, if you fail to provide morally, 
If you fail to provide emotionally, if you fail to provide spiritually, you're troubling your home. Mothers, you are troubling your home. If you fail to provide spiritually and morally and emotionally and financially, you are troubling your home. And the person who troubles their home or their family, they're going to inherit the wind. The wind here is a metaphor for nothingness, something you can't get a hold of. So, you know, if you trouble your household, you're going to inherit nothing. This is a picture of, like, if you choose silly conflict over nonsense that divides your marriage, that separates you from your, your kids, those things are affecting your children. They affect your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. And, you know, maybe you're making some big thing out of nothing. Maybe you starve your wife emotionally or, or maybe you're just busy with other things and, 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 and you're troubling your, fa- your family and your household and it devastates your family. And the problem, and this is kind of a terrible problem, but you know, there are some things that just are almost impossible to recover from. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. Now, who's the fool? The fool, all through scripture, is the person who doesn't learn. It's not a person who makes mistakes. The fool is the person who knows, and they don't do it. Or they know not to, and they do it anyway. That's what scripture says, a person who doesn't learn. They never turn till they burn. You know, they just, they, they will not take their foot off the throttle until they've gone right off over the cliff. And now that the tires aren't hooked up to the ground anymore, well, now they'll lift off the throttle. It doesn't make any difference. It's too late. You know, warnings are not good enough for the fool. That's why the fool would be the servant to the wise of heart. And I know today there are two kinds of people listening, and almost all of us are in the first category. There, there are people who will do something with this. You know, you'll, you know, maybe, maybe you know, your category one person, you'll do something with this. Maybe you already have a strong marriage. You'll go home from this today, and you'll do more. Or maybe you're already doing these things, and you're going to go home and go, man, I want to do this even better than I did it before. Or Maybe you haven't been doing these things before in your marriage and you think, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I, I got to get this right. And you'll get with your wife and you'll get with your kids and you'll say, hey, we have got to, some of this stuff we just got to stop. We got to stop raising our voices. We got to stop yelling at each other through walls. We got to stop the things that hurt and don't build. We got to stop that because we love each other and it's a habit and we got to start. That's the smart person who hears these things, and the thing is that they'll change. There's going to be blessing that comes because of this. The other person is the person who's hearing these things right now, and when they walk out these doors, it's going to go right in their rearview mirror. In 15 minutes, they won't remember anything. They'll sit here today, and they'll listen to these things, and they'll agree, yeah, that's God's word, but then they just won't do it. The fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. Which, which are you? Which are you? You know, I, I know that some of you are thinking, okay, well, I, I want to avoid, Pastor Terry, I want to avoid foolish conflict. I see the price we pay, and, and I, I don't want that for my family. What can I do? Do you have any tips? Yes, thank you for asking. <laughs> Glad you asked that question. Now that we have this clear picture of how destructive it is, I'm ready to turn over. How about you? We can move on from this point, right? Okay, oh, good. We stopped digging the hole. We can climb out now. That's good, finally. First thing you can do, I'm going to give you several, is... This, absorb the attack. 
So a family member engages you about something and you think it's not worth it, it's just not important enough to fight over, it's not the right time, here's what you do. You absorb the the attack. Absorb it. I know some of you are going, "Um, okay, sounds good, but Terry, I'm going to totally need a verse to back that up. Okay, so come on with it. Okay, all right, so let's see, I've got some. Proverbs 27, we're going to come to that 27.6, you know. I mean, because I, I know you're thinking, absorb the attack sounds really good, but Terry, this is going to hurt. This is going to flat out hurt sometimes, and I don't like that kind of pain, and you just want me to take this in? Okay, Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. By the way, I am not talking about physical conflict in the home. I'm not talking that you absorb that. I, let the powers that God ordained to protect you do their job. I'm not talking about that. Uh, but I'm talking about when, when this is relational, it's argumentative, it's, it's verbal, it's an attitude. You can absorb some of that. You can. You can. You can. So if a family member engages you or a friend engages you to provoke and they, maybe their body language kind of steps towards you and their tone of voice and their choice of words, and you just you choose to absorb it. And yes, it's going to hurt a little bit, but you choose to absorb it. Because what if what you're doing in those moments is investing in the future of your family? What if your, your tenderness in those moments will be what the Holy Spirit is able to use to leverage change in the heart of another person? You're not going to change anybody's heart, by the way. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. But what if, what if you're the, the tool that the Lord's going to use to change that person's heart? Okay, all right, seems reasonable. I know it's going to hurt a little bit. I can do this some. I know we're thinking that. Now, I don't want you to say this to the person you're sitting next to because you know, maybe that's where the conflict is, but look at me and say, I can do this some. I can do this. You've got to do better than that. I can do this some. Good, okay, all right. Honey? Allowed? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, that a girl. Okay. All right. So, okay. So, how am I going to absorb this? How do I go about doing this? Here's three quick ways. Um, starting in in Proverbs thirteen three, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Let me translate that for you very clearly. Go ahead and stick that up there. <laughs> now, I know some of you don't say the phrase shut up in your household. I don't mean to offend you, but this is kind of what that scripture says, says shut up, okay? But if, if that's too harsh for you, be silent. Close your trap. You know, do, do whatever it takes. You know, now, listen, I, I, I don't want you to turn to the person next to you and say shut up, okay? Because... I don't want to create conflict in the room, but it's really important that we learn to be silent or one of these things. So um, I'm talking about the lower half of that speaking thing. Push it up to where it connects and there's no longer a gap. Do that. Just say less. Close it down. Second way that we absorb is to stand back. Stand back. Just get some, I'm talking about physical space. Just put a little bit of space between you and that person. Proverbs 23 says, it's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. And this word honor here is, 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 is talking about integrity and character. 
So if you want to absorb it, you say it less, you stand back. And number three, settle down. <laughs> settle down. I'm chuckling because um, Lisa and I go for walks. We, you know, a few times a week, we go for a walk that maybe is you know, five or six miles. And, and um, we were on one, I think, two days ago. And um, somewhere along the way, I don't even remember what it was, but I was, I was, I was getting a little bit revved up about something. And um, it had to do with us, and I was getting a little bit revved up, whatever that, that whatever charitable thing for me that means, okay? And um, she says to me, settle down. <laughs> now, the thing is that if I had said it to myself, I would have been fine, but because she said it to me, it made me angrier, right? Uh, you know, it took me a lot of apologies to get that back in control. She was right. By the way, don't say that to your spouse when you're, revved up. It just doesn't work in those moments. Um, I'm not saying that to her, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying to me, settle, settle down. Speak it to yourself. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger, quiets confrontation. This, this hot-tempered man, he's a hothead. He flies off the handle. He's got a short fuse. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Do, do you know the guy I'm talking? Yeah, what about him? Yeah, okay, all right. So, you know the guy I'm talking about. The wise family avoids negative conflict by assessing the outcome, thinking about how destructive it can be, and by absorbing the attack. And now, strong language here. Terminate access. Terminate access to the conflict. I mean, sometimes we don't want to take strong moves, but sometimes we've got to take a strong step well, couldn't we just pack some cotton balls around it, Pastor Terry? No, you, you know, sometimes you, you cannot regulate negative conflict. You can't meter it successfully. You have to eliminate it. You've got to cut it off. And sometimes these little adjustments that we want to make, you know, um, little tweaking around the edges just will not get the job done. It's got to be a bigger move than that. No more negative conflict in the home. We've got to make that a choice. No more. Proverbs 26, 17, when it comes to terminating access, says, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. This is the biblical basis for this phrase. Mind your own business. Okay? See that with a smile? Mind your own business. That's what this, that's what this passage is saying. And it's, it's like, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own you know, every battle is not your battle. It doesn't concern you. You know, it may be another person's family's issue. Or maybe someone is drawing you in and they've got exactly half or some portion of the truth. Is this really your battle? Mind your own business. Notice the picture here is failure to mind your own business like taking a passing dog by the ears. <laughs> Yeah, so remember this. Some of you will remember this. A president of the United States. Here's the thing. Some dogs do not appreciate you fiddling with their ears. And the picture is that when you fiddle with a dog by the ears, you get the teeth too. <laughs> How much negative conflict could be avoided if in our, in our extended families we just mind our own business? You know, leave your mother-in-law alone. Stop talking about your sister's husband. Just let it go. Mind your own business. How much conflict could we, have, 
could be avoided if at work we just mind our own business? How much conflict could we avoid if in our relationships, even with our friendships, we just mind our own business? Instead of turning to your neighbor and saying, mind your own business, because I don't want to start any more negative conflict, you can say it to me. What do we do? Say it to me like you put some stank on it. (laughs) Doesn't that feel good? Okay, get that out of your system because you're not going to talk to other people that way. Okay, Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer, tender, delicate. You know, a, a, a delicate way of responding to a family member who's already angry, it helps, but a harsh word. Now, that word harsh, it's literally word of sorrows, and you'll notice that it's singular. It only takes one word, one word. It's harsh. It's intended to anger. It stirs up. You know, and I'm thinking, I don't want that in my house. Then measure your words. Measure your words. Soft, kind, volume down, caring words. They terminate negative conflict in a house. Did I do those out of order? I did probably. Did you get that slide, Amy? Okay, I went out of order there. I'm sorry. The thing is that harsh, cruel, inflammatory words, they accelerate. That's the propane bottle on the campfire. Measure your words. Mind your business. Measure your words. And then this is important. This is in Proverbs 12, and it really comes down to this. Muzzle your pride. What is it in us that shuts us down, that makes us say, I'm not listening to you anymore. I don't talk to me, and things escalate. You know, Who's had a bad day in the last month? I mean, a really bad day. Come on, everybody, I mean, not everybody in the last month, everybody has a really bad day occasionally, right? You might be dealing with somebody who's having a terrible day. The thing is, we need to figure that out because sometimes we just need to let that go. And the reason that we don't let it go, we don't like the way they said something to us is because of our pride. Proverbs twelve sixteen says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. That was our proverb of the day, by the way. Different translation. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. You know, the fool says, what did you call me? What did you just say to me? (laughs) Don't you know? Nobody talks to me that way. That's pride. It's pride. It's foolishness. But the prudent, the wise person... They terminate that neg- negativity. They ignore it. And that word ignore literally means cover it. You muzzle your pride. And the vexation of this fool is known, it says, at once. You know, you're upset about something and everybody knows it right now. Everybody sees it. Everybody, everybody can feel it. But the prudent ignores an insult. I, 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 I read this story. I think I've shared this before. Um, and um, there's a news story about this couple who arrived at the hospital and each one of them had a gunshot wound in the arm. And um, the story goes that the husband woke up that morning and found out that he was late for his first day of a new job, and he got angry at his wife because he blamed her for not setting the alarm clock. So he grabs his gun and he shoots her in the arm. And not to be outdone, she grabs a shotgun and lets it go and lets him have it in the arm. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard this story. I couldn't trace, I couldn't find it down as an urban legend, but you get the picture here. Now they're, <laughs> they're, they're in the hospital on their stretchers, and between them is the sheriff, and the nurses are doing their thing, and the man turns to the wife and says, honey, baby, 
I love you, and I'm sorry I shot you in the arm. And she says, honey, I love you too, and I'm sorry I shot you in the arm. I know this is going to make a country music song for somebody somewhere. <laughs> you know, there's, this, this, there's a level sometimes of an unreasonable and ludicrous how much conflict can be in the home over things that are so little. And even when the issues are about a lot, it doesn't help to engage those issues in the wrong way, at the wrong time, with the wrong words. Measure your words, mind your business, muzzle your pride, and the last one is we must not retaliate. We don't retaliate. Proverbs 24, verses 28 and 29. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever say, okay, I'm going to give her what she gave. Don't do that. It goes on. Don't ever say, I will pay the man back for what he has done. Don't do that. You might as well light your house on fire. Don't retaliate. Don't keep score. Don't wait for your chance to get even. If you're doing that, you're literally becoming a tool in Satan's hands against your family. But you should forgive. Do, do, forbear, do wait and pray. And when you do that, you are a tool in the Savior's hands to grow and to build your family. Assess the outcome. Is it really worth the price we pay? Absorb the attack. Terminate access. And here's our last verse. It's Proverbs 16, 7. You, know, you ask Pastor Terry, is this all really possible? Can this really happen? Not without the Lord's help. I will tell you that. You can't do this without the Lord. But listen to this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. What a promise. If I make my focus pleasing God, if I make my focus honoring God, if I make my focus putting God first, God can cause even a person who hates me. By the way, very few of us actually live with someone who truly hates us. God can make even my enemies be at peace with me if my ways are pleasing to him. I don't have to win this argument. I don't even have to make my point. If I handle this in a way that pleases God, God will work it out for me. God will fight for me. God will defend me. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You choose what's right, and then you put your trust in him. When a man's ways, when a woman's ways please the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I would like to pray with you. And um, so would you just close your eyes? And um, first and foremost, I want to say to people who have been bruised by these words today, please first forgive me. as never my desire to hold you by the hand and walk you through the places of your pain. I really believe the Lord wants to, in every single one of us, restore brokenness and change us so that we're not a part of that kind of brokenness in the future. So forgive that, but I also want to pray that the Lord would now bring something of healing in a place where the words and behaviors and attitudes of people around you have wounded you. Lord, invade those places. We have built 
a high tower around our walled city and we've put bars across our gate. But God, I know you can get right in there and I invite you to do that in my heart. And Lord, and I ask you to do that in every heart, to get in behind the walls and to somehow not break them down, but to lead your sons and your daughters to a place where we would willingly once again open up the gates and allow relationships to thrive in our lives. Lord, where there might be unforgiveness, I know you'll speak to hearts and God, I don't want to somehow sprinkle some sort of magic phrase. Instead, I just ask for the spirit of the living God to invade the places that what we would consider to be impossible, all things are possible through Christ. Lord, I pray, I want to pray right now for people who would say, I've been a part of this and I, I need I need this Christ you're talking about, but I don't really have a relationship with him. Keep your eyes closed, church, please. I just want to say to you, if you've never, never come to a relationship with the Savior of mankind, with Jesus Christ, here's how it works. Scripture teaches us that every person somehow falls short. Every person has sin in our lives. We, every person fails to be good enough for heaven. And God doesn't hate us. He loves us. And in fact, he loves us so much. He sees that dilemma and says, okay, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to send my own son who will live a perfect life. And he will pay the price for the sin of all mankind. All you have to do is call on Jesus Scripture says that if you believe and confess that you'll be saved, it says that all who call in the name of Jesus will be saved. It doesn't mean you stand up here in church and confess anything. It means you admit to someone you have a need and you've opened your heart to Jesus and he, you are going to let him be your, your king and Lord. If you've never done that before, it's a gift of eternal life and there's no other way except that. I encourage you to, to open your heart right now and eyes are closed. I'm going to pray. And you can just pray and agree with me and then tell someone after church or later, say, hey, I, I, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Lord, I'm a sinner and I've, I've, I've come short. I realize that. I, I, I don't mean to be that way, but Lord, I recognize that I can never live up to what I need to be to be considered holy. I'm so thankful you loved me enough to make a way for me and that's your son, Jesus Christ. I, I ask now for forgiveness for my sins, not because I'm worth it, but because you love me. Lord, I receive the gift of eternal life. And I now pray, Lord, that you would guide me and that you would help me to understand who you are, God. Help me to understand how to live for you. Help me to understand um, what it is to be one of your children. Now, Lord, for people who have prayed that prayer and agreed with me, I just ask also for some supernatural intervention that you would put into their pathway today and tomorrow and the next days, people who would encourage them and help them to know how to find their way closer to to you and and to, to understand you and your word. And Lord, I want to pray now too for these issues of conflict in the home. Thank you, Lord, that your word provides a way for us. Forgive us, God, where we've we've allowed our tongue to become that weapon. And I ask for grace, Lord. Give us, help us, Lord, to live in ways that please you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I have one more video that I wanted you to watch. God Operation Christmas Child is one of the great stories that's unfolding in our lifetime. I want the children of the world to know. I want their parents to know that God loves them and he wants them to be with him in heaven. That's what it's all about. 
We have led the children from the box to the Bible. We developed the greatest journey, a 12-week discipleship program for the kids that make decisions for Christ. Yo les voy a compartir lo que aprendí a mis amigas, a mi papá y a mi mamá. It's wonderful what God has been doing. We are only seeing just the beginning of this project. Because the Lord, He's got something that is beyond our imagination. Into the millions and into the billions. And these children will change the world. got to do those boxes last week last year you remember how much fun it was we had a blast we went to the dollar store my family and i and we just smashed stuff then we had extra stuff we wish the boxes were bigger but uh anyways next week we will have those boxes out there it is a blessing to others but you're going to be blessed also would you stand with us i'm going to have the prayer team come forward down here in the front if you need prayer for anything today, uh, these people would love to pray with you. I'm sure you got a neighbor to your right or your left that would pray with you also. But uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and worshiping the Lord with us at Crossroads. Just know God loves you. He cares for you. He cares about every part of your life. And as you walk out these doors, He's no less God than when you were in the middle of singing this song earlier. Amen. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.